0: Welcome, one and all, to a, another edition of the Drive Home Call in Show here on the Canadian Football Countdown. I'm Brian Coop. we've got Michael Garrell here moderating for us as I take on my drive home from work. And we talk about any random CFL thoughts that come to our minds uh, as Canadians talk about the previous week uh mike will get you to mute your microphone when you're not talking because i hear the people behind you there that's okay thanks mike uh, yeah welcome to the call-in show uh send in your comments in the chat box there if anybody wants to come uh up on stage and ask a question that way you can hit the request to speak button there as well if you're listening to this in the audio feed after the fact and want to join us live next time we do this every tuesday uh on the drive home around 5 30 eastern time live in our discord community there's a link to that in the audio description uh of the podcast there it's free to join we've got lots of great things going on in the discord there but uh we're here to recap uh what was it week six in the cfl was this past week crazy how far along we are and i think it's safe to say this was the best week of the entire season thus far so many good games such entertainment Uh, What a week it was, and we'll start off with the first game of the week, which was probably the one game that wasn't as exciting. Uh, But, you know, I still like games like that, where you've got two teams that you could argue are bottom feeders in the CFL, standing-wise they were, or slash were. And, you know, I like those just as much as when the two Goliaths go head-to-head, because somebody uh, somewhere on either team is going to step up. And make the big plays to make it happen. And uh or you know, somebody's gonna step up and make the plays that should never have been made to begin with. Uh the Ticats take it 3729, uh, I think was the score in that one. Uh the Elks extending their home losing streak to now 20 games, which I think ties or owns the longest streak in CFL history. Uh or yeah, CFL history, uh, it's got to be up there for a pretty long losing streak in sports history, I would imagine, um, especially football. And the things just keep going wrong one way or another for the Elks. You know, the score doesn't really do it justice. It was Hamilton all the way through. Yeah, they, they kind of eased off in the second half and Edmonton came back into it a little bit with Jared at quarterback once again. Uh, But we got to start with Taylor Cornelius, his interception. uh, I I think Dustin Nielsen had the perfect uh, commentary on the play when he asked, what is he even doing? Yeah, it just was not a good play for a pick six there for Cornelius. You know, he shows flashes of brilliance at times. He moves well with his legs. He gets the ball going good. And then it seems like it's another step back and he makes decisions like that or throws errant passes like that 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 just cost the team and it's one mistake after another like that for the Elks this season it seems and you know rightfully so they pulled them I think around halftime in this game they gave the ball back to Jared Daggy in the second half but now it seems like they're going back to Taylor, Taylor Cornelius once again this upcoming week against the Bombers so I don't know what Chris Jones is doing. That's the best way I can sum it up. I, we we talk about this every week, what he should do at quarterback, what he is doing at quarterback, et cetera. Um, and I don't know if there's much new to discuss besides he's seemingly sticking with his guy there on uh, on Taylor with Taylor Cornelius. On the other side of the ball, I mean, they're going to have a new guy this week because, unfortunately, Matt Schiltz went down to the six-game injured list. Uh, In this game, I thought Schiltz has been had been looking pretty good. He was actually the most accurate passer in the CFL coming into this week around 74%. uh, 73, I think it was to be exact, on the season. And, um, you know, he was performing, I would say, respectably for a guy in a backup role in an offensive system that I don't think is very much setting him up for Success and unfortunately, it sucks to see him go down, especially once he finally got his shot after so many years of playing in a backup role uh in Montreal and then over to Hamilton where he continued that backup role. And now Schultz goes down, and it uh, looks like the keys are in the hands of Taylor Powell at quarterback now. If you would have told me preseason, he'd be starting game in week number seven, I would have thought you were crazy. But he looked good on that first pass he threw, it was quite the dime for a touchdown to. I think it was Tim White who uh, snagged that one home. So, you know, we didn't see too much of them because they had a comfortable lead. They kind of eased them into it, leaned on James Butler a bit, which I like to see there as well. But uh, Taylor Powell, see what he can do this week uh, for when they face the Argos. It's going to be a tough test, obviously, for him there. Uh, They did sign another quarterback because Bo Levi Mitchell is not ready to go. And they brought in Antonio Pipkin earlier today, who... I thought is a really good addition for them. A guy who's been in the league uh, a long time, you know, you've got Powell as your starter right now. Who's even the backup Kyle Oxley, I guess is the backup for the team. And then you, who they just recently brought in, he's only been in the league for what a year or two now. And then now you bring in Pipkin, who's been around for longer, has some experience, you know, being closer to that starting role. I think that's a good veteran presence. If you need to bring another quarterback onto the roster, uh, I like that move there for the Tie Cats, and uh, we'll see what Powell can do this week. Uh, Mike, any thoughts from you on this Edmonton Hamilton game, and
1: uh, and or any questions in the chat? Well, between the Dusty Nelson call that I thought was absolutely gold, um, and then the injury and. The subsequent first drive in post-injury with the touchdown um, seemed to me to add a little bit of insult uh, to the out's problems. But I think uh, they would admit already that it's kind of a running joke as it is. Um, so it, it, it might as well. It just seems like if it's not if it's not one thing, it's another uh you know another way to lose and to me it's just taylor is trying to do way too much um you know when, when you're gonna do that and you're gonna run and then you're gonna try to throw on the run and then while you get intercepted trying to do that it's a team that's struggling that's trying to do too much because the pressure is getting to them and you know, to be honest, Ryan, I don't know what to make of Hamilton after this game, just for the soul fact that they did play Edmonton, and we know what Edmonton's state of flux uh, they're in. Um, the one thing I can't figure out is this musical chairs at quarterback. But the one thing I can't figure out is that it does involve Chris Jones. So, you know, it's it's I I really don't know what to make of this game and. You know what it's going to be the third string quarterback for Hamilton and, and and who would have seen that and maybe maybe a broader discussion could be started about the health of quarterbacks you know across the cfl when we talked about another game but it's starting to become the great up winner will be the team that has the healthiest quarterback at the end of this me faints
0: um, or the the best quarterback I, depth, right? And uh so congrats, BC. Uh enjoy the great cup, uh, because you've got Dane Evans to your back up there. Um but yeah, you're absolutely right on that, Mike. I, I think uh quarterback depth is uh hurting a little bit across the league right now. And it's funny that all these other teams are forced to go the, to their third strings. Uh, but then Edmonton is the one team that is unwilling to, when they probably should be. Uh, Trey wants to come up and say something.
2: Hey boys, I wanted to pose a question here, just so we don't spend too much time on the tomorrow show on it, but because it kind of came up with quarterbacks, are we concerned about the injuries and kind of lack of decent quarterback play? Like what other than one or two guys, can we really say any quarterback is really that great?
0: No, I, I think uh, I would agree with you. I think we're we're starving for quarterback talent in the CFL right now. I mean, we were used to the stability also without the injuries for so many years of, you know, your mainstays, even going back to, you know, recent history when you had Bo Levi Mitchell at the height of his career, Michael Riley, you know, Trevor Harris uh, was, uh, I would still say, at the peak of his career then, you know. Go back further, you got guys like Ricky Ray, you've got Anthony Calvillo, like all of these guys we've talked about. The good old Kevin Glenn, tried but true for any team who wanted them. Um I think we're at a state now where, yeah, if you look at who's the top five rankings of quarterbacks in the CFL, and it's tough to do. We tried to do it preseason. I had Jake Mayer as my number two quarterback coming into the year this year because I thought he was going to be uh, – You know, I thought he was up and coming. I didn't think there was a ton of guys ahead of him. But now he's not looking great this year either. I mean, I know this is going to touch your heart, Trey. I think you can make an argument, a legitimate argument right now, that Chad Kelly is the best quarterback in the CFL.
2: Well, that's my point. Like, we don't have have that guy. And it's kind of like, you know, maybe Caleros, but he's mid-30s and his old line's deteriorating around. And we don't have that. Tom Brady, Patrick Mahomes, even like, you know, what I mean, Ricky Ray, Calvillo, those guys of the past right now where, you know, everyone wants to buy their jersey. Like, I don't know who we have as stars. Like, it's, it's, and that's kind of concerning me. And with these injuries too, right? Bo's gone. You know, how long is Caleros going to stand up? VA, what had a four interception game or whatever it was? No, six. 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 Yeah, six. That's what I mean. Even the stars are like a hit away from retirement or something. So it's just kind of, I don't know. And then I hate yeah. that every, Mazzoli's down again. Mazzoli was a guy who had talent, and he just can't stay on the field,
1: you know? Oh, absolutely. If, if I could just jump in here really quickly, Dad, I think the CFL hurt themselves. Uh, that one year, they said they was only allowed to dress two quarterbacks. I think that really hurt the development of the quarterbacks in the CFL. And to be honest, I, I believe that CFL teams should be able to, be able to dress up to four quarterbacks with one of them being a Canadian.
2: I just don't want to harp on this, but like how many guys really want to be a second stringer in the CFL compared to third or fourth stringer in the NFL? You know what I mean, though? Like, is that an issue too?
0: Well, I mean, you get starting opportunities, clearly, when guys go down due to injury here, seemingly more often.
2: I get it. But, like, how many guys are going to be like Bethel Thompson or other guys who would rather just play an hour from their home and their family in a country they're born in? You know, we have to remember, we are a foreign country. Yep. Do right? Like, (laughs) it's not quite like we're going to some other place in the world, but we are still a foreign country, foreign currency Foreign temperatures, foreign kilometers per mile. I get the whole different universe, right? And I, I would rather, even me being a Canadian, I'd almost rather hold a clipboard for the Patriots or the Jets than, you know, coming up them. to the country. But
1: here's the thing is, why guys? And Adam brings up a good point in the comments. How, how many legitimate starting quarterbacks are there even in the NFL? Oh, would, like would you, would you nine, say that 10? there's maybe nine, 10 out of 32?
2: Well, you could start getting into it. You could probably have at least 10. I think is a 10 in the AFC. And then there's none in the NFC other than uh, uh, Jalen Hurts, maybe.
0: Right. Just to wrap yeah. it up before, just to wrap this topic up before we move on here. I, I, I think with the injuries, though, I wonder if it's actually, like it's bad for the CFL right now, obviously, to have guys like Trevor Harris go down, Jeremiah Mazzoli go down. I wonder if it's almost better for them on the long run, because these guys are, you know, in the final, probably couple of years, like they're getting up there in age, Caleros, Bow as well, where they're likely going to retire in the near future. So now, you know, we look at what Dustin Crum just did for Ottawa, and if he has more time to develop, can he turn into a future star? What's Taylor Powell going to do for Hamilton? Like, I To me, I'm excited just to see these younger guys that we don't know anything about play, and I think it's because of, like, we talked about being starved of talent in the CFL, of just trying to find who that next star is going to be.
2: No, I agree, and just to really kind of wrap up with Adam saying, like, but my point is, we could sit here and have a few-hour conversation on who the best quarterback in the NFL is, and top five or top ten, where you... It's, I don't know, it's pretty cut and dry who's the top three, and then after that, it's just a bunch of people that can't seem to pass the ball.
0: Yeah, for sure.
2: Like, that's what I mean. Like, it, we could argue about the order, but it's Caleros, Kelly, and VA probably this right year. Doing, right. Down. Yeah. That's, that's what I would agree on as well. Yeah. Yeah. But then after that, it's whoever, at least the NFL, you could say, well, Mahomes does this, Allen does this, um, Burroughs is it. Like, you know, you could have a legitimate argument for about eight, nine guys. I don't know. I don't know. That's just my thought. Is I'm kind of concerned about the quarterback play. And Mike makes the point about the roster rules. Kind of forget about that. But then you add that, so there's less opportunity. Maybe American players were like, "Well, there's only two starting positions. Why the heck am I going to this country?" You know. Right. So yeah. yeah. Okay. Yeah, for sure. I want to bring that up now because we could have spent two hours on uh, tomorrow's show with that.
0: <laughs> Appreciate it, Trey. Thanks for uh, thanks for hopping in here with that uh we'll move on to the next game here just keep us moving along on the drive home call show uh next game was arguably the game of the week until two more games happened on saturday uh, maybe you could make the argument it still was toronto beats montreal 35 27 the argos stay undefeated and we'll stick on the quarterback topic here and, and uh touch on this performance from chad kelly I don't have the numbers in front of me, obviously. Maybe somebody, one of you has them and can uh, p- correct me on them, but I want to say it was something like 350 passing yards for one Chad Kelly in this game. A couple of touchdowns there for him as well. I thought this was his best performance. I know he had those three rushing touchdowns in his first game, uh, but of the four games he's played through six weeks so far due to uh, you know their weird two-by schedule, I thought this was the most dominant performance we've seen from him where, you know, the other games, defense, the rushing game kind of carried them. Uh, I think he put it on on a good passing display here. And he continues to find ways to spread the ball around without uh, really having a definitive go-to receiver. I mentioned this in our Discord channel and our Fantasy channel uh, just yesterday that, you know, the leading uh, receiver in terms of targets on the Argos and in the case of average targets per game is because curly getting junior at five everyone else is between five and three uh it seems so you know they've spread the ball around they don't have a go-to guy yet they're getting it done with guys like david Unger, who put up two touchdowns this week and now has three touchdowns in three games so far a guy i didn't expect to have any sort of prominent role with the argos offense this year so I really like what they've been able to do. I mean, they've got that running stack as well with Olette and Harris, and now they've got, you know, pretty well balanced passing attack going as well. I don't think Kelly's, I mean, obviously he hasn't done anything to lose games for his team uh, so far. Uh, so I, I think he, you know, he's, I called this on Twitter a Rourkeian performance from him. Uh, I temporarily put him as my Hall of Fame candidate. He did get replaced one day later. Uh, but uh, respectable effort here from Chad Kelly and the Argos all the way around. And, you know, another win for them. They keep scoring. They put a ton of points on the board. I feel like they've had over 30 points a game, almost every game uh, so far this season. And uh, they're still playing some pretty good ball on the other side of the field as well. The, interest, the, the very interesting statistic for the Argos side to me is that they are last in the league in average passing yards allowed. Uh, the, uh, they're giving up, I think it was 311 passing yards a game so far. And I don't remember their rushing numbers against, but I want to say that is not necessarily an, an indictment of they have a poor passing defense. I think part of it is just that teams are just trying to pass on them and not, and not rush on them because they're falling behind so early. I have to kind of abandon the run game uh, for the Argos so far against the Argos so far. So, uh, you know, I don't know when this team necessarily loses the game, to be honest. Uh, I forget what their schedule all is coming up Uh, and who they play this week. I can't call off the top of my head. It's not. Oh, it's Hamilton. Right. It's Hamilton. Uh, week. Uh, which should be another favorable matchup for them there. So, uh, yeah, nothing but good things to say on the Argos here. I mean, maybe this was their sloppiest victory so far this year. They did let Montreal, uh, you know, stick around there a little bit and uh, make it a one-score game in the end. But uh, another victory here for the Argos, and there are two byes two buys in the early weeks i think actually works really well for their schedule as weird as it is and probably against what you want because i think this team is going to run with the way with the east so much that they are going to be able to swap guys in and out and rest them down the stretch anyways without bye weeks there for the most part so uh yeah argos are clearly the best team in the cfl right now and i don't think there's much of a debate on that on the other side of this matchup uh, we had the Montreal Alouettes, who looks like maybe, just maybe, they have finally found some uh, more receivers uh, to utilize in that offense. And we talked about him being a potential breakout guy this week on last week's show. And boy, did he deliver Tyler Sneed the hat trick of touchdowns in this game. I want to say three targets, three touchdowns, maybe four targets, uh, and three touchdowns there for him huge performance from taylor sneed i think courtney davis also had you know a solid six uh, targets again which if you remember adam and i last week were chatting about uh on the main show that uh urging was the third leading target man for the alouettes with seven on the season so uh, you know it's good to see other guys getting the ball here a little bit austin max still got his uh high number of targets but Seemed like they're able to spread the ball around, and uh, that's going to open new things up for that Alouettes offense coming uh, going forward. Unfortunate, though, uh, you know they rallied a little bit here. I thought Fajardo didn't look too bad at times in this one. I think he's looked decent overall this year, despite the the offensive line issues. Uh, But they couldn't get it done against what I would call a better opponent here. Uh, I don't think Mike's here anymore, but uh, I see Adam and Trey are here. Does anybody have any questions or comments in the chat or anything you want to add in?
3: No, there's really no questions in the chat. The only one that Trey wanted to do was flex because uh, he predicted that Kelly was going to perform like this. So, yeah, I guess Trey kind of flexed on that one a little bit. And I'm just regretting that I pulled Tyler Steed out of my lineup just before the um, Hamilton-Edmonton game and put Dylan Mitchell in.
0: My favorite bit of the 2023 CFL season is how is Adam going to mess up his fantasy lineup this week? Uh, It's my favorite running gag because it seems whether it's the save button, whether it's guys you drop, you got some free week.
3: Yeah, sort of. Uh, Although, i got to admit, my, my roster was pretty good this week. I think we'll talk about it probably tomorrow. Yeah, you but, did. Uh, I think I was okay this week.
2: I'm second place, though, boys.
0: <laughs> yeah, nobody's catching me, though. Uh, you had your one week. You didn't do enough with it. Uh, all right, let's move on to our third game of the week and keep things moving along here. And boy, is this a fun one. The Ottawa Red Blacks beat the Winnipeg Blue Bombers 31-28 in overtime. They complete what the team is running with, which I'm very happy from a pun perspective. They complete the they complete the crumb back. Uh, a tale of two halves. Uh, you know, I started watching this game, but then I was on dad duty, so I didn't get to finish it live. I recorded it. I started watching later on, and oh, this is getting close. Oh, this is getting close. No way, they actually tie it. No way they actually win. Yes, they do. Dustin Crum with the heroic efforts on the game-tying touchdown late in the game, the game-winning touchdown in overtime. Uh, Two huge runs there. And, you know, I said this on Twitter, and I'll repeat it here. This just emphasized to me that I am a CFL fan first, a Bomber fan second. You want to burn me at the stake at IG Field, go ahead. I could not help but give Dustin Crum a standing ovation. Uh, and a couple of fist pumps there as the uh, as they completed the uh, comeback there and that he drove it in because, uh, you know, I, I think it's uh, really, like I was saying earlier, it's nice to see new faces in the CFL be able to deliver some big moments. It's also nice to see for the Ottawa Red Blacks, uh, they... You know, I've had so many years of struggles at home. Now they get the two straight wins. Uh, I don't think anybody really expected them to pull this one off. And it really didn't look good early on. I mean, Crum had nothing at all going in the first half. I think he may have even had negative yardage. It took till like, late second quarter to get his first first down of the game uh, there. And maybe even his first positive passing yardage. And, you know, all the expectations we had from the week before kind of fell flat and for those of us like me who picked them in fantasy and, and added them to my draft league roster again this week as well. I, I started thinking to myself, great, another quarterback fantasy problem. Uh, but uh, they picked it up in the second half. And conveniently, things started to pick up in the second half for them when they started giving him the designed runs. That blew my mind a little bit that none of that came in the first half. Uh, for dustin crumb it seemed like they were just content with you know having him in the pocket uh for the most part and not giving him the protection he needs and taking sacks and not giving him the time to find his receivers as soon as he started running with the ball he was able to start finding his receivers and make stuff happen for the team so uh yeah tale of two tabs here uh Ch- turning it around the second half, question is what can he do going forward this week against the Stampeders as well? And we'll talk about that a little bit more. But, uh, you know, uh, leaning on some uh, key pieces in that offense, Nate Bahar with a whopping 14 targets in that game, including the clutch one to bring in, I think it was the uh, two-point convert to tie up the game there. Um, full credit to Ottawa. I think it's exciting. I'm super happy for them. Uh, to be able to pull this off and see what it goes forward for them. And on the other side, like Winnipeg, I'm not surprised. I, I'm just not surprised. I said last year, is the sloppiest 15 and three football team I've ever seen. I think this year is the potential to be sloppier. We saw their weird almost allow Hamilton to come back in week one. Uh, we've seen this now. This is a team that is still one of the top teams in the CFL. But every now and then finds at least one or two games a year where they just full-on flop. They, uh, they, you know, they'll have a big lead and they'll allow the comeback or they'll come out flat and, and let the other team take charge on it. And that's exactly what happened on this one. And it was a mix of that, uh, Ben, but don't break defense. We all know and love. I don't know how you don't expect in a pressure situation with the game on the line that a young quarterback like Crum, who did the exact same thing the week before against Hamilton, like to me, it's obvious on my TV screen all the way here in Winnipeg that he's going to go run that and try to scramble it in for himself because he's more confident in that ability maybe than his passing ability. Uh, but to me, it seemed obvious. Seemed like it wasn't though to the Bombers' defense, and they struggled to contain him. Uh, you should not be allowing 20, 30 yard runs from the quarterback in uh, in a game-winning situation like that. Uh point blank. That that's something a that defense should not allow. Uh, and the offense kind of fell flat as well. I mean, Brady Oliveira, I know he had a good game in terms of the receiving yardage. He had a couple of nice catches there, but 19 yards rushing on the game for Oliveira there. The Red Blacks do have a pretty darn good run defense. Uh, but uh this is something that uh and so i expected Oliver to be shut down a little bit but you got to start still giving him more and you know he's got to try to get those first downs in the fourth quarter when you need to run the clock out they got nothing going they were forced to pass and zach Galaros threw an interception that uh for a touchdown that really turned the tide also for ottawa so epic collapse here for the bombers in this one uh and Uh, we'll see how they bounce back. Now they play Edmonton again this week. Another trap game for the Bombers. Uh, They do pretty good normally coming off of a loss. You know, Mike O'Shea is not going to be too happy with this one. I'm going to make sure the team's ready to go, but I don't know. Uh, It seems like a team that, you know, doesn't get or at times, you know, doesn't prep for those games that they should be uh, easily winning and finds a way to lose those ones there so yeah disappointed as a bomber fan in this game love this game though from the cfl fan perspective i thought it was exciting i'm already excited to see what dustin crumb can do next you know what nathan rourke was my hall of fame champion last year chad kelly had it for a day put dustin crumb in the cfl hall of fame for this crumb back uh and that's, uh, those are my takes on this one here. Uh, any other thoughts, guys? Anything in the chat?
3: Uh, the only things I see in the chat is uh, Trey goes and messages and says, Ottawa has what we call in the racing industry, closing speed. Caught up deep down in the stretch. Uh, the Bombers should feel embarrassed, and the old line is brutal. I don't know if we have the guys who can run block thir- 25 to 30 times a game. And I'm starting to agree with them on that because, yeah, 19 yards against Ottawa. And they were dominating in the first half, like from what I seen, uh, well, heard while driving into Regina that day. So I don't know, is this old line is, is it? So, well, how many carries on the
0: day for Olivera? Was it something like six or seven carries for 19 yards? Because that would be, uh, quick math would be something about three yards a carry. That's, I think, pretty on par with what Ottawa's being, uh, been allowing so far this year. I think it was 3.6. Yards per carry they were allowing up until the last week or two. I don't know if it's changed significantly since then.
3: It could have been. I honestly didn't look at how many yards per, uh, how many carries he had actually in this game. But, uh, but yeah, like I said, uh, I know that uh, there's a lot of people excited for Dustin Crumb. That's for sure. I mean, I had him on my fantasy as well. And uh, yeah, I was thinking I was going to be joining you with misery love company, but uh I guess if you got misery and it goes the other way, it's <laughs> yeah. Just and good. Uh, so, ranks
0: to riches, right, for our fantasy teams this week, it seems. Uh, based.
3: Yeah, and you should have heard the. Uh, you know what? I didn't even have to check the score at the end of the game there for Ottawa and Winnipeg, because I was sitting the Mosaic Stadium, and the moment that they everybody heard or seen on their screen that uh, Winnipeg <laughs> lost, uh, yeah, oh, I that could would tell. Have been a
0: sight to see there for sure. Um, yeah, on the Oliveira topic, I mean, part of it is, yeah, the offensive line, I think, is a potential issue uh, there. You know, they're getting older. They're going to start taking steps back. And Trey's been calling that, uh, you know, the last year or two as well. And I agree they're they're going to take steps back. And we started to see that a little bit already. Um, I think Oliveira all season long has kind of been that fourth quarter running back for the most part. Uh, where he's got decent yardage throughout the game, and then picks it up in the fourth quarter. And for whatever reason, maybe they just didn't trust the averages they were getting from him early on. But it seems like they didn't run the ball when they should have been. And if you're passing, you're not running down the clock. They could really, you know, put this game away probably, but uh, failed to do so. So back to the drawing board, I guess, for the Bombers' offense. We'll talk a little bit more on uh, on uh, Wednesday also about a uh, new addition to the Bombers' offense for this week also.
2: Can I, just, can I put like quick two cents in before we move on? Yeah, for sure. Yeah, so yeah, I was just checking. Yes, it was. Oliveira had nine carries. Yes. Okay. And McCray and Dembski each had one. So not counting Prue Cup, there was 11 rushes in that game. Um, so that, to me, tells me one of two things. Either the offensive coordinator doesn't have faith in the running back or the O-line or a little bit of both. And, yeah, like, I don't know, 11 rushes, that just sounds so very un-Winnipeg, right? Like, even back when the Bombers sucked, they ran the ball a fair bit. You know, Charles Roberts and other guys like that, right? Um, Fred, uh, Freddie Reed, things like that. We've always had a strong running game. So I don't know what – where were we just out in the East, so Buck Pierce thought we're going to play like an Eastern team? I don't know, but it was weird.
3: Yeah, well, I think what the problem was there was I think that you guys um... – Decided that you're going to go and uh, play the pass game more than anything. And most times against a Ottawa team, like with a good defensive line, you probably do want to run a lot more on their secondary or try to get the passing game off uh, or try to get the passing game off for the Winnipeg Blue Bombers. So I'm guessing that's what they were up to. But uh, yeah, in the end, uh, looks like Ottawa kind of caught them on the passing game and was able to, the defense was able to do some stuffing. So.
0: I mean, Caleros played well. He threw for, what, 300, 350 yards in this game. Like, he doesn't throw for that many very often. Up until that pick six, I thought he was playing a pretty pretty solid game there. But uh, failing to put him away. Same thing with, we kind of looked at in that 17-3 win over Montreal, where the uh, Alouettes, you know, they only put up 17 points on the Alouettes. Now they only put up uh it was 18 at the time against against ottawa was 18 nothing and then started allowing them back in it it kind of all along to me as we were going along was winnipeg's dominating this game but one or two breaks goes ottawa's way and they're right back in it and that ended up being the case uh there at the end as well um let's move on to our final game of the week, I think, which was the Calgary Stampeders, Saskatchewan Roughriders, round two. These two teams always seem to find a way to play a super close game. And this week was no different when uh, Ernie Paradis kicked it home with a 50-yard game-winning field goal uh, to win 33-31 for the Stampeders. And if we thought the ending to the previous game was wild enough, who knew that this first Saturday doubleheader was going to be uh, a crazy finish of its own right here as uh, it starts off with, first of all, I guess we got to backtrack to Trevor Harris going down due to injury. A broken tib or a tibial fracture, I believe. I'm no doctor. I don't fully understand what that is, but it sounds like a broken leg to me. Uh, You know, Trevor Harris goes down. We've already talked about the quarterback situation in the CFL being dire. Uh, He was having a good start to the year. I thought he would look pretty good in Saskatchewan, better than I thought he would sucks to see harris go down he was struggling a bit at this game early on too uh he goes down due to injury he's gonna have surgery they're not ruling him out for the year uh for saskatchewan but you would have to think at least until late in the year now before he returns and mason fine comes in and he's gonna be the starter going forward here and you know he almost had some Lucky hey, late game heroics here on the, with about a minute left in the game. Riders are down. Uh, Mason Fine launches it downfield into, I believe it was Tevin Jones and three Calgary defenders. And it just so happens that uh, ball bounces off some fingertips. Uh, Tevin Jones bumps a Calgary defender out of the way. Ball ends up in his hands in this uh, pop fly jump ball situation. Uh. And he takes it to the house for the touchdown and uh, they convert it. And the, uh, the riders are suddenly up, you know, to one point uh, with the completed convert here to with just enough time left, unfortunately, for Calgary to march down the field. And many parodies, one of the best kickers, if not the best in CFL history, Mr. Clutch gets it done uh, with the 50 yard game winning walk off field goal. Uh, which we've seen plenty of times throughout his career. So, uh, you know, the riders, they were so close uh, in this one. It was uh, elation to heartbreak, I imagine. Right, Adam?
3: Yeah, yeah, it was. Uh, it was one of those games where, you well, like the, the first like again, when you said with Trevor Harris, I mean, well, I haven't seen the uh, whole bench, and I mean literally everybody on the bench, from trainers to Jeremy O'Day to Craig Reynolds to everybody that was anywhere near the bench that had a green shirt on leaving for Trevor Harris. That was a nice sight. Uh, the one thing you mentioned there was about the, uh, the uh, what do you call it? Uh Trevor Harris possibly. The rider's not saying he's done for the season. Well, 12 weeks, you can't put weight on your leg. Good luck. Let me know if he comes back.
0: Nathan Rourke did last year. That's the only thing I, I compare it to, right, is we all thought he was done for the year when he got injured around this point or even a little bit later, and uh, he was able to come back in time for the playoffs. So I don't think it's out of the possibility for the Riders, but uh, late season for sure.
3: Where, where this is where this break is, unless it's a trivial plateau, is just below your knee. It's right beside the ACL and the MCL. If you come back early, good luck. <laughs> It's not in a place where you want to have this injury. So, I I mean, I'd love to see Trevor Harris back this year, but I'll be honest, I, I don't see it. But Mason Fine, I mean, he, he was fine. <laughs> no pun intended. Uh, he was decent enough to win that game for the Riders. It just And in Riderville, the big thing I've heard this week is, oh, well, he shouldn't have ran it in. No, you run it in when you can get the points, get the points, and... Worry about your defense making a stop. I mean, forty-two seconds left. The rider should have made a stop, and yeah, it was heartbreaking for the guys sitting in the crowd. I mean, it was pretty quiet as everybody was turning to the exits. But it is what it was, and I think uh, I think the rider fans at least appreciated that the riders did put the effort in to try to win this game and should have probably won this game in the end. But things happened. They couldn't make a stop on the offense, and Jake Mayer, all of a sudden. That ball's just into uh, Randy Perretta's uh, territory. So,
0: yeah, I, I I saw those takes as well that this was Tevin Jones' fault for not killing the clock or stopping short of the end zone so they could run down the clock. I agree, that is absurd to me. Like, uh, I get clock management, and yeah, it may have been a smart thing to do, but obviously, like, it's a smart thing to do if you're leading the game or you could kick a field goal from short or something to go and win the game. Like We're talking get into the end zone if you stop short. I mean, Saskatchewan won a game earlier this year against Edmonton because the Elks got stopped short on, third, on first and goal three straight times. So uh, you take the points, I agree. You have to take the points there, especially on a big play like that. You can count, you know, I always say and it's talked about a lot that, you know, a football game isn't necessarily lost on one play. And that's specifically not one of those. Like, it, it's more on the defense for not being able to get the stop. Or if you want to go back and find one other play in the game that is the reason they lost, I don't think it's Jones not running in the touchdown that makes a difference there. Uh, I think it was, yeah, the defense couldn't get the stop when they needed to most. Um, and, you know, it's it's a shame because the Riders had some good things going for them in this game. Like, Jamal Morrow looked pretty darn good. He got involved both in the rushing and the passing. What was it, nine targets through the air for Morrow? And maybe a bunch of those came from fine after Harris went down. But, yeah, that's how I would like to see a running back get involved, especially from a fantasy perspective. You like to see that. And Mario Alford with not one but two return touchdowns in this game. Just getting one is exciting enough. Two is fantastic. Uh, you could make this argument about pretty much any returner in the CFL. I think somebody could make an argument that they're the best return man in the game. Uh, and I would put Mario Alfred in my personal rankings as one of the very top, if not the top, in the CFL. Uh, a huge game breaker. The offense was stalling, it seemed. They weren't getting the passing game going. Uh, early in this one, they were falling behind a little bit, and he kind of single-handedly brought them back in uh, with two touchdowns there early in the game. So, you know, this is a league where special teams makes a huge difference. It's not like the NFL where a punt happens and you're calling fair catch most of the time or you let the ball go out the back of the end zone for a touchback, necessarily. The return game could, Mario Alfred just showed, a return game could put, you know, 12, 14 points on the board for you in, a, in any given game. So uh, more of that from him, please, going forward here. Uh, for the Calgary side of things, I mean, credit to them for getting the job done here. Uh, I, it didn't look pretty at times. You know, it looked a little scary late in the game. There was uh, all of the theatrics involved with that. But Jake Mayer being able to settle in enough to, you know, get the ball down the field uh, into position for Rennie to to kick the winner uh was good I I think we've been a little bit down on what we've seen from Mayer so far this season uh and disappointed in him I have been at least based on my expectations for him coming into this year and I don't think he has to make that back with you know 300-400 yard passing games uh every single week or or starting with those you know just playing just getting serviceably enough done to go and uh, get your team the victory, you know, lean on Dedrick Mills where you can, which I don't think they did a ton in this game less than they normally would. uh, I found, and maybe that's credit to the riders defense here as well. Uh, But I think, uh, you know, lean on Dedrick Mills. You've got some good possession receivers there, like a Reggie Bagel did that uh, could make a difference for you, and if Mayer can settle in and get back to his completion percentage he had last season, and you know uh, fill that game manager role, I think this is a Calgary team that does have uh, the potential to still, you know, make their way uh, get back into the swing of things and make a strong presence here this season. I uh, don't have too much else on Calgary. I didn't get a chance to actually fully watch this game. I just watched the highlights and saw obviously all the discussion on social media uh, around these different things. Uh, I'm going to wrap this up here shortly, but, uh, is there anything else, uh, anywhere, any comments on, uh, this game before we wrap it up?
3: Uh, let's just take a look here. Uh, I know Trey's been going over on the chat. He went and he said, you know, uh, you got to remember Trevor Harris isn't quite as young as Nathan Rourke is for, uh, healing. And yeah, I'll tend to agree with him. I mean, 37 from 22 is, uh, a little bit different. I I know all about that because it's my birthday today. It's uh, feels a little it's different than birthday? I did when I was 22. I'll tell you that much.
0: Wait, it's your birthday? Yeah. Well, happy birthday. Oh, thank you.
3: What the heck? Well, oh, I I, wearing- I try to keep my birthday quiet, so. Oh.
2: Happy birthday, big buddy. What's that sir? Happy birthday, big buddy! You can't keep that a secret, man. It only happens uh, once a year. You know, once you're 35, it don't count anymore. So, <laughs> all
0: right. Well, well, I'd start singing "Happy Birthday" here, but then people might unsubscribe from the podcast, so I won't do that. But uh, Adam, I hope you have a great rest of your day, and I hope everybody has a great rest of their day because that's the end of the drive home call and show um uh, so thanks everybody for tuning in uh to this week's edition thanks adam trey mike for hopping in here with your great discussion topics and also moderating the chat for me as well i will be back again next tuesday for another edition of this uh make sure you tune into our regular wednesday night shows we are live 10 30 eastern time over on our youtube channel and uh, any of our other platforms there as well just search the canadian football countdown to tune into that live or on the feeds afterwards and again if you want to join this live or check out any of our other content and discussion going on make sure you check out the cfc discord it's free it's fun Uh, the link is in the episode description there a week six in the books let's see what week seven can bring we'll talk about it wednesday night on our week seven preview thanks for tuning in take care have a good one